Hey there and welcome back to the Angel Investors Access Show. On this series, we talk to startups, angel investors, VC firms, mentors, coaches, and stakeholders that play a part in the Australian entrepreneurial ecosystem. Proudly brought to you by C2 Angels, helping build a community of like-minded aspiring angel investors right across Australia and beyond. Have you booked your angel opportunity investment discovery session yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Become an angel investor today and visit c2angels.com. And now let's head to the next episode and join me with our special guest. This is Access Show with your host, Brandon Burns from C2 Angels. Got a special guest on this week's episode. He's a CEO director of Grammon Advisory. He's also an angel investor and one of our Inner Circle Foundation members, Graham Goldman. How are you? Good, thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me here today. Awesome. Fantastic. All right, guys. Well, hope you enjoy this show. We're with you on the other side. Okay, Graham. So we've finally got you back here in the studio. I think Thank the you. last time we um, spoke, you were at our breakfast as our guest speaker at uh, Eureka Skydeck. Correct, correct. I was on the panel. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I've known John Westy for many years, a great man, uh, with a good set of ethics and values, and always happy, happy to help and be involved with, with John and the team. Yeah, and it's awesome to have a, an actual live angel investor here in the studio <laughs> sharing their story, because as I've learned pretty quickly, being a part of the C2 Angels family, is that there's... There's not a huge abundance of angel investors in Australia. or There's not really um, one direct community or sort of place for them to call home. So it's been enlightening to sort of get to know people who are actually doing it. And I'm hoping at least for today's show that people can really learn from you how you've gone about doing it in your own way and uh, why it's an important role to play. Because you know, I've, I've worked at uh, incubators and, and, and in startups and worked closely with helping them find a mentor and a coach and a customer but the capital part's always been a real important one. And it's, it's not um, the easiest to get to know how to navigate for everyone. So your expertise is going to be huge here. I mean, where do we start? Angel investment. How does it all work? Connectivity. Connectivity, relationships, being able to relate to businesses, wanting to make money. Let's yeah. be real here. Let's be honest. We all want to make money. Uh, and wanting to, on the same token... To help startup entrepreneurs to achieve and 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 access some of the things that potentially on a personal basis I was unable to achieve in the early days because I came here as an immigrant 25 years ago, knew nobody, literally knew absolutely nobody, had yeah, no right. connectivity whatsoever, and went down the corporate route and then ended up going into the entrepreneurial side of things. I just wanted to create something for myself, for my family beyond just the job nothing wrong with a corporate route nothing wrong with just the job it's just wasn't me yeah um and it's not that easy it's not that easy so at the same token if one can relate to a startup a founder someone that wants to go along the entrepreneurial journey provided they're real uh, it'd be fantastic to be able to be part of that journey and and uh, expose them to some of my learnings whether they can uh enjoy or take something away i don't know all i know is i've got real life learnings um i've got scars to show that i was part of the game still am part of the game and hopefully that can help somebody else navigate their way yeah cool and we talk about at c2 angels how we don't believe that angel investors are born they're made (laughs) but what i'm keen to know from you is are there particular elements that will draw someone to wanting to be one is it that they've been an entrepreneur before or that they are of an entrepreneurial affliction, or is angel investing for 
multiple different types of people, not just entrepreneurs, you know, like what would be the things that you'd look for if you thought maybe I might fall in this category but I'm just not sure if I'd be good at it? I think, look, I, I can talk for myself being an entrepreneur, um, having that affliction, that disease, but there are other mates of mine that aren't, that are angel investors. They, they come out of a corporate environment. They're yeah. still in corporate. They've got phenomenal roles, highly regarded in, in, their, in their field, and they want a bit of exposure. They want to be able to, to quote one of them, to play a little bit more outside of the, the confines of their job and to use their skills and expertise and networks, which are similar but different to an entrepreneur's, mm. um, to assist them to get exposure beyond the paycheck to be able to add, add a bit more and to risk a bit more. Then again, many, many years ago, I was involved with a, another uh, investment group. I won't mention it. A bunch of uh, more mature, retired, older snoozers. Um, and they just wanted to invest some of their money. They yep. finished their careers and they wanted to help young entrepreneurs to uh, find the next big thing. Uh, it didn't really work for me because I found that they were a little bit too um, la- lack of help to the startup companies, more smacking them across the head with, well, I've given you 10 grand and now I can, now I own you, yep. which in my view is just the wrong attitude to have with regards to an investing into a business. Yeah, totally. Okay, so that's refreshing to hear. Um, it sounds like there are a couple of elements there that stand out, and that is the ability to give back, to be able to mentor and play some kind of advisory role in a business. When you invest in a startup or a business, are you just investing capital, or are you always looking to see how you can add value by advising and working with the founders as well? Brandon, good question. I'm, I'm Initially, I'm looking to, to, to find... Uh, relatability, relatability yeah. between myself and the founder. Yeah. Um, I've learned over many years in business, you can't do good business with bad people. So if I spend time with the founder and get a bit of a, a feel, an instinct, a gut feel, woman's intuition, all that sort of stuff, <laughs> um, they've got a better intuition than us blokes, uh, in my experience. And if, if something just doesn't feel right, doesn't ring right, uh, I won't invest, no matter how big or how great the opportunity is and how swift and quick the hockey stick uh, uplift looks like. Um, I would far rather invest with somebody that I can relate to, somebody that's, mm. that's teachable, that wants to learn, that knows and acknowledges not just with their words but with their actions that they don't know everything yeah. and more so with a, something that I can relate to and add value to. So if you bring me something that's in manufacturing mm-hmm. I don't have a history in manufacturing. I don't know how factories work. Mm-hmm. Branding, luxury goods, marketing, anything along that line, yep, I get it. Um, and I can assist and help. And more so from, aside from my assistance, I've got a wonderful network on an international basis that a lot of people might not be able to access, mm-hmm. but a simple email, phone call, text, WhatsApp, WeChat, all that sort of stuff. Within seconds, I can connect people with, with um, relevant parts of my network in Europe and in the States and throughout Asia, which could help tremendously. But if it's not part of the experience basis that I have, my network then becomes useless. Yeah. So from an angel investor's perspective, investing in stuff that you know and like obviously plays a big part, and that goes for the founder, not just the the business and the idea. But equally for founders listening, it sounds like you've really got to get that investor right as far as being a good match. 
And if your idea and your business is half decent, you're going to have more than one option on the table for investment. And what you talked about there with tapping into and leveraging your network is probably equally as valuable as the investment for the founder. Well, money is only one thing. Money is money. And I know for those founders that are listening now, they're going to go, oh, my God, I just want money. Give me money. Give me money. Give me money. It's just the start. What's important is what can you do with that money? What can you do with the people that are coming on board? Uh, for me, I've had businesses before where I've had clever money, people mm-hmm. who've been able to assist the business with the money they've put in, and I've had dumb money, yeah, uh, which is just money. My experience, my advice, my opinion, don't take dumb money. Mm-hmm. because dumb money can't help you outside of uh, once it's hit your bank account. Smart money, even though it might be less, will will last a lot longer and will generate a lot more and will end up being more beneficial mm. for you. It's difficult, I know, when you're desperate and you're down to your last whatever it might be and you've got to raise that cash or it's done. Yep, sometimes you've got to compromise and you just got to suck it up. But if you have enough time on your hands, try go for the smart money with people that you can relate yep. because... Uh, the golden rule, he who comes with the gold, rules. And yep. everything comes, when you take money from somebody, it comes with strings. There's always a responsibility. There are some people that I've invested with that don't believe there's a responsibility once you take money, but there is a responsibility when so, you take so money. So how do you give that um, confidence and peace of mind to a founder that you invest in not to feel obliged to always look to you for the the final say and the best advice and and the guidance how do you give someone your money but also say i want you to trust in yourself and believe in how best to deploy this and and to use it well the the easiest way around it is to to turn around and say to the founder i'm happy to invest this is what i can bring these are the reasons why i want to invest with you this is how i'm going to be able to assist you but it's your business it's not my business i've got my own business I've got my own worries, my own hassles, my own grey hair, lie awake at bed kind of story. Um, I don't want to take on somebody else's problems. I'm here to help if needs be. So let's work on a framework. Is it a matter of a weekly, fortnightly or monthly catch-up? Is it a quick coffee? Is it a quick phone call? Always available on the phone. Give me a call, no problem. But if it's something slightly more formalized where it's a monthly catch-up, Let's have an agenda. Let's set it up so we can have a proper working breakfast, lunch, dinner, wherever it might be, and not just catch up for the sake of just catching up and ticking a box at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, business is tough. There's a lot that needs to happen, and it's for, m- for me as an investor to be able to help the founder by giving them the framework that I'm prepared to work with mm-hmm. and allowing them to take advantage of it or not. It's up to them. It's their business after all. Yeah, no, fair enough. And look, you would have had multiple experiences throughout your career raising capital for your businesses. But the reason I ask is because is going through the experience what led you to being interested in angel investing? Or was it because you just saw that there is a real opportunity by getting in early with particular businesses? Or was there another reason as to why you started? Like if you could cast your mind back to when you first dabbled in angel investing and what sort of made you go, I'm excited to do this, I want to? Well, c- a couple of things. There, there are, uh, I'm not a young bloke anymore. I'm not as an old bloke, but there's, I'm, I'm not exposed to a lot of the tech-type businesses that are coming in, coming, coming out at the moment, basically. I'm not a tech guy. I sort of miss that. I understand tech. I love tech. I'm not stuck in my old ways. Yep. Um, but for me to get exposed and to get an investment in tech, I'd never get involved in the tech business directly. I would never start one up. So it does give me an exposure to to a new industry, if I call it that much. I know yeah. it's not new. Um, 
but also it, it allows me to spread the risk to diversify the portfolio. It allows me to potentially make a return on very little in, uh, investment in time. A mm. phone call here or lunch there or breakfast there is, is not time. It's not hours pounding away from 6 in the morning till 12 at night scenario. Um, it's, it's also the ability to give back. Mm. So to make money, to get exposed, to diversify and to give back um, because it's tough out there and I've had some pretty horrible experiences that if I can help people navigate and not have the same experiences, just makes for a better world. Yeah, totally. All right, so I've got a couple of two-part questions. Two-part. <laughs> so the first two-part question is, if you could outline for me, and it's your choice, what's probably been one of the biggest successes or milestones and what's been one of the biggest mistakes or challenges you've had to overcome along the journey? Successes and milestones. Can be business-related, can be personal. It's, yeah. oh, I'd, I'd say the biggest success is, is having left a very, very secure corporate luxury goods corporate role Yes. Um, where I could have stayed at for the rest of my life in the Swiss watch industry. Yes. Um, and following the entrepreneurial journey, I had a real uh, motivation for doing it. I was present when my father passed away mm-hmm. and just looked at it and went, he worked for a big corporate, and when he got sick, they, they shafted him. Yeah, and right. that just, just it, uh, there were some pretty uncool things that were done, and I went, I never want that to happen. Not that I thought that would happen with the guys that I was working with, working mm-hmm. for. Um, Going on an entrepreneurial journey uh, a good 20-odd years ago, 15, 18, 20 years ago, and still being married, still have a successful family life. I've got two awesome kids. They're not kids, young men that are following very different career paths that I am unbelievably proud of. One is a, a policeman who's now becoming a police prosecutor, so going into law in reverse, basically, and the other who's an area manager at LD. Um, and the fact that I've got a, a, I must get this right, a 30-year marriage. I've said a 30-year-old marriage. I'm not married to a (laughs) 30-year-old. I've been married for 30 years to the same woman. Better get that one right. Um, So without a doubt, bigger successes. Money comes, money goes. Money's not going to be there on your deathbed. Your family is. So keep it real, my view. Um, Biggest failures, um, blind, 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 blind faith in business partners that they would have the same values as what I had and that their words could be taken to the bank so if I shake your hand and give you my word that's it I live by it it's the bond it's the bible no change and I was too dumb naive hopeful to not see that in, in other business partners. And yeah. that was a big lesson, and I'm happy for that lesson because yeah. I'll never go, go through it again. But, yeah, blind faith in business partners, biggest mistake, and my family and my wife and my relationship with my sons. Is there a dog or a cat? There was a dog. There was a dog. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, 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 it was fine. Was he, he, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. Beginning of last year, we lost my father-in-law at the oh, beginning no. of the year. Then we lost the dog who'd been with us 17 years. So I work out the maths. He was, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a long, long time. So it was just time for him to go. So we're just dealing with my mother-in-law who's in her 80s and 
got own challenges now with COVID and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Old age home. So dog will come back. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, not a cat. My wife wants a cat. I'm a dog person. So I'm pushing back on that one. But yeah, no, dog. dog's important. Dog's yeah. important. Cool. So second two-part question. Yeah. Now you've been on the receiving end and the giving end, I'm sure, of advice in multiple scenarios and settings across business, personal, the whole thing, right? I'm keen to learn from you maybe what was some of the best you've been given and by whom and what's been some of the worst that either you've been given and by whom or maybe you've experienced it being given and you ha- you've had to jump in and, and actually clarify. And sometimes when I ask this question, the guests will talk about timing. Because sometimes, as we all know, advice can be better at a particular time than at another. Um, so I don't want you to feel bad about giving me something that was bad um, if it's not deemed as bad in different scenarios. But Because it's important for entrepreneurs and founders and investors listening to sort of know when an advice is really worthwhile and when it's maybe something to be put in the... Don't absorb that one. Okay. Long way to ask that question. Sorry, mate. Okay, no problem. Maybe let me, let me ask that, answer that in reverse. Uh, when I left corporate, I, I, I knew nothing about business. I thought I knew everything. I knew nothing. Um, and I joined EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. Yes. And the one big thing about EO is it's not about advice. It's not about opinions. It's all about sharing experiences. Mm-hmm. Their mantra is, is something along the lines of advice elevates me. And, and denigrates you, whereas uh, an advice and opinion, whereas experiencing is experience sharing. I can just tell you what's happened to me, and you can take away what you want from it and adapt it to your circumstances. Love it. And so I'm not really a big one just because I've been with EO for so long and it's been so important in my life. I've not been big on just giving advice because advice and opinion, it's like a belly button. We've all got one, they're pretty useless. So. What's the point? I thought um, you might have gone with the other reference there. I know. I've stopped, I've stopped using that one because the belly button is easier than the other Kept one. PG. There we go, PG. So um, the, best and the, 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 the best and the worst. Uh, the best advice I was given was if you never want to be caught out telling a lie, always tell the truth. Um, by my father, late father, man amongst men, a giant, an absolute giant, an unbelievable human being. Not a great businessman, never made money, but as a human being, insane. Unbelievable value set that was just black or white. There was no gray with it, man. Um, and I'm the richer for have, having had him as a father, very fortunate. So I'd say best advice. So uh, I, I've, I don't lie. I try not to yeah. mask the truth or... Yeah tell half truths or that but yep. it's a really good advice um the worst the worst the worst the worst advice was to get involved in business with other south africans i grew up in south africa i was born in rhodesia so there was this commonality mm-hmm. uh because they're just like you and they'll understand you and you'll understand them uh wrong they weren't just like me, different values, different ethics. They might have come from the same geography. They might have come from the same religion, but they weren't like me. So big lesson that if you're South African and you're Jewish, doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Uh, if you're a non-South African, non-Jewish, doesn't mean anything either. Mm. At the end of the day, we all come from the, 
human race, and and this is not a BLM story and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's just a matter of having good values, good ethics, and dealing with the right people. So blindly went in there going, tick, 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 we're the same. Yeah. We won't. Yeah. How do you find out um, quickly? Like, for example, I would assume that you would get a lot of overtures from startups and people seeking investment and, and mentorship with, with their startup every day. So is there kind of like a speed dating element or something you can do or follow that just helps you weed out whether someone or something is a good opportunity quickly to not impede on your time heavily? Look, I don't get offered stuff every day, but it's a little bit like um, trying to look at and read everything that's on the internet. Not possible. You can't look at every opportunity. So assess what you want to receive from the articles on the internet. Get rid of the subscriptions that you just keep on filing. Waste the time. Too much headspace. If you're not in the mind or the headspace of looking to invest in something, don't take the call, don't have the coffee, don't meet with them because you're wasting your time and wasting theirs. Yeah. If you are open and are receptive, um, the quickest, easiest way initially is to weed out the, the, the pretenders from the players. Ask them to explain in the elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. 20 words or less. Just tell me about your business. If you can't explain your business to me that I can understand, and I'm, I'm not the smartest uh, bloke in the world, but I'm not that dumb. If I can't understand your business in a minute, two minutes, it means you can't explain it. And if you can't explain it, you don't know your business. Yep. Um, if they can get over that hurdle, let's just have a coffee face-to-face. Look you in the eye. Watch the body language. See how you, how you operate. Um, mm-hmm. And, and just have a look and see. Have a look and see. See what they dress. Okay, some of us got crazy dress sense. And, yep, I like colorful socks. And John, as we walked in, said that. But I've, I've, I've known a friend of mine who's a big investor. Big, big, big. Not even an angel. And he had some bloke come to him for advice and wanted to invest in his business and help him out. And the business was in the toilet. And the guy arrived in a Lamborghini convertible. <laughs> and you go, seriously? Like, sell the Lamborghini. And naturally, my mate went, I'm not even helping you because... You've got a Lamborghini. You're like, come on. You, you can't, things can't be that bad. You're very much out of touch. You can't see that over a telephone. Yep. So have a coffee. Watch, the, watch the, the, the cues. Just watch the body language. See if they scratch their nose when, they, when you ask the question. Are they lying? Feeling uncomfortable? Scratch the ear? All that sort of stuff. Yep. And if you're uncertain, walk away. I'm remaining as still as I can. You've really got to be here in person, everyone, to feel the effects of it. No, it's great. Um, okay, so what I want to know is if you're in the shoes of the, the young aspiring angel investor and you've had a bit of a play with helping out family and friends and you've invested in a couple of their businesses maybe, you've had a little tinker around on the stock market, but you want to take yourself seriously, are there some go-to points or destinations that you turn to for information or, or being informed or is it your network or is it the gut feel or is it an experience someone's had that's shared with you recently? Like, what, what helps you understand what, what direction they're heading to to really create some more sound opportunities? I've spent a long time, the last 25 years in this country, building my network. I came here not knowing anyone, and I spent a long time associating with some not such good people. Yeah. Um, and I've worked out that there was a difference and the benefit of good people versus bad people and now try my darnest to just associate with good people mm. who can assist me, help me and for lack of better without sounding a bit lame who love and respect me who will help me no matter what that understand mm. uh, that by helping they're actually giving and growing they're not losing an opportunity for themselves 
Uh, I read a lot. I read a hell of a lot yeah. for things that interest me. I'm reading Elon Musk's book at the moment. All I need Any to good? do is I've just started. All I need to do is get one idea. Mm. You know, you guys, you spent I don't know twenty nine dollars for one idea from Elon Musk. Thank I reckon you. that's pretty cheap. Yep. Uh, it's the same as as uh, Steve Jobs. Okay, that was a big book to read. One idea, great. Off you go. So read a lot. I also subscribe to a number of of online magazines, one being Inc. Magazine. Mm -hmm. Awesome magazine, a, a, a mindful of information. And then I have my, my network, a, a variety of people who I surround myself with who, whose views I trust and respect implicitly. So, I, for example, I'm not a tech guy, as I mentioned before. I have a very close mate of mine who I go to for all the tech stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and he'll just go yay or nay. And if it's a nay, I don't even question it, basically. Mm -hmm. I just trust that much. So a combination of network, a couple of, of, of magazines I subscribe to, like Inc. and the odd book thrown in here or there. So for aspiring angel investors, joining a community like C2 Angels Fantastic. is not only going to give you access to someone like Graham, but similar people <laughs> and a community, you know, of, of like-minded people who you can create your own network and, and uh, sounding board. Um, can I ask you, I know you've got that great connection with John Westy, who heads up C2 Angels. And why was it? really that you joined C2 Angels and our vision and, and wanted to come on board so passionately? Look, I met John about 10, 12 years ago at a charitable foundation. We spent a fair few number of years raising money for cancer research. Um, he's just an all-round good bloke. I mean, there was no money made there. We didn't, we didn't, it wasn't for ourselves. It was all about giving back. Um, and he's just a solid citizen. Basically, a solid citizen, a good old school solid citizen. We'd lost contact as we moved on with our lives when I left the foundation several years later. And as life would have it, we reconnected towards the end of 19. Yeah, end of 19. What are you doing? What are you doing? Wow, we should talk more. What you're doing, Graham, works with what we're doing. Let's have a chat. And when he explained to me what was going on with C2 Angels, I said, This is fantastic, John. Happy to help. Happy to help you because when I met John, I met him in the right circumstances. He was a bloke that gave a lot of his time to a charitable foundation for nothing else from a financial reward outside of the, the personal reward of being able to do good. Mm. Um, and someone I trust, and as I mentioned before, trust, body language, all this stuff, I trust John. I'm more than happily go, yeah, John, here's the money, do what you've got to do with it. I'm not worried that it's going to be frittered away or we'll turn around in a year going, what happened? And yeah. there's an audit and all that rubbish that comes along with, with potentially giving money to somebody. Uh, I trust John implicitly. So he has an unbelievable uh, back catalogue, if you want to call it, of experience through a wide variety of, of, of industries, through some phenomenal, phenomenal companies that he's been involved in and being partners of. And you look at it and go, can't miss because I know that John, I believe that John will assemble a phenomenal team um, of, of like-minded people to take advantage of the opportunity that presents itself here today in Melbourne. Yeah. And that, as I said before, I've, I've sat around a table with a bunch of snoozers going, I, I don't get it. Is this, is this what angel investing is all about? Mm -hmm. um, but this is, John is hungry. You guys are hungry. You guys are, from what I believe, creating the right environment to attract the right kind of businesses that will um, benefit from the knowledge. And with the C2 Academy, uh, bringing on board more of a community of other mm -hmm. angels. And I'm looking forward to meeting other people and getting offered other opportunities through them and just expanding my network and just meeting good people. I hope 
to God to be able to meet good people until the day before I die. Excellent. Well, you've, you've, we've made the connection today. It's been fantastic. Great body language, by the way. Can't fault you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, right, is there any particular way that people can best get in touch with you? Is it LinkedIn? Is it your website? How oh. do you best respond? <laughs> Not LinkedIn. Not, Not LinkedIn. LinkedIn. It's, just, it's, it's Yeah, the whole LinkedIn, I know you, I want to contact you, let's do stuff together. It's so fantastic. Or we're, we're so impressed with your profile. And you look at it and go, well, it's not that impressive. And then you link in with them because you do some background check and they know people that you know. And then, boom, straight up comes the, the pitch. Here's the long pitch. And it takes me all of five minutes to remove them as a connection. Yeah. Plain and simple. I don't want to be pitched on LinkedIn. I'm not interested in being pitched. Don't come and hassle and, and, and hustle me. Fine, if you want me, fine. And you want me from a, not from a, an advisory consulting board position because that's what I'm doing mostly now is is just board roles and i've probably got not more left not more capacity left yeah uh, to do anything more um come to me via a connection Mm -hmm. let somebody reach out to me to go hey i would like you to meet x y and z Mm -hmm. because i will do it based on that relationship um i'm at a stage in my life now where i'm really don't have time to meet a random person i know that might sound arrogant in the loop it's not meant to be like that but when you're getting 20, 30 people a day link, hitting you up on LinkedIn, it, it gets you, you've got to stand out from the crowd and it gets a bit tiresome. Yep, totally. We'll come and build your network with C2 Angels. That sounds like the best way to get in touch with someone like Graham. Anything else to add before we wrap up today's show? I've had good success in my career, in my life, and I've had tremendous failure. I've enjoyed the financial rewards from the success, but I've learned a hell of a lot more from the failures. Mm. So the mentality that unfortunately permeates my experience in Australia, if you fail, you're out, you're done. Yeah. Fail, fail fast, start again, pick yourself up. Because if you give up when you failed, you define the outcome. You're a failure. If mm. you keep on going and keep on going, success will come eventually. My view is about 80 to 90% of success is just turning up. Because most people don't, especially after that first failure. So keep on going. Beautiful. Graham Goldman, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. And uh, can't wait to do part two very soon. And that's all we have time for today on the Angel Investors Access Show, your series with Brandon Burns from C2 Angels. If you're thinking about becoming an angel investor and you don't know where to start, then you know exactly where to head, c2angels.com, and book your angel investment opportunity discovery session now. Until next time, I'm Brandon Burns, and I'll catch you later.